Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we are finishing this book. We have been a long way. We've been on a long journey through Ecclesiastes, though it's only taken us through the summer and just a few weeks into the new school year. Um, the preacher has had a constant refrain that, that we kept hearing over and over and over again. Of course, he's looking at life and he's describing life as from under the sun, and, and as under the sun, that is, life apart from God, the preacher sees this as vanity, as empty. If you just look at life apart from God's hand in it, then life seems meaningless. In addition to that, he he tells us several times in response to this, not to just, you know, give up, but instead, fear God. Fear God. I mean, if, if life apart from God is meaningless, then how should we live this life? We live life in the fear of God. We're going to look at that tonight. But he also tells us to enjoy, enjoy life, to rejoice and rejoice in, in, the, in the things that he gives us, in those gifts that he gives us. Rejoice in family, rejoice in, in the foods and the pleasures that we have. And we accept those things as gifts of God. Tonight we come to the end of this book and what we see here at the end of Ecclesiastes is basically a kind of a summary statement of what the book was all about. What everything was driving to. In light of the the seeming meaninglessness of life apart from God, in light of the fact that we know that God holds our time in His hands, that He gives us a time to be born and a time to die and a time to sow and a time to reap and a time for everything in its season. How should we live? The preacher here tells us, fear God and keep His commandments. Let's read what he has to say. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing, and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter 
all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, we pray that you would give me strength and grace to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We see a change here as we begin this section. A change that that you might not notice as you're just kind of reading along, unless you're paying attention for it. Um, In the beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, it starts off, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. Then we see here in verse 12 of chapter 1, it says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search. And See that it started off with a title, basically, of saying, these are the words of the preacher. And then it speaks in the first person. He says, I was this. And, and in chapter 2, I said in my heart, Come now and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. He's speaking in the first person again. The the whole book is basically in the first person, his reflection upon the world as he saw it, looking at the world under the sun. And you come to this last little section and it says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging. So he cha- it changes voice again. No longer is it first person, but like the, the title section there at the very beginning, there, there's uh, someone that's talking about the preacher in the third person. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Now, I believe that all of this is Scripture. I believe that all of what we have here in Ecclesiastes is Scripture. I think that the clue we're getting here from this change in voice from first person to third person is, I think... Bear with me here. I think probably what we have is there was a later writer who came to what Solomon had wrote or the preacher had wrote, and he commended it kind of as an editorial statement. But I think at the same time, I'm going to say this is divinely inspired, divinely inspired editorial statement. Um, It is God's word here. He's kind of doing like what we might find when we go buy a book. When we go buy a book, I talked with the kids about this this afternoon, and we look on the backside of the book, a lot of times what we'll find is a blurb by someone else other than the author. 
And, and they'll, they'll talk about all the good reasons for reading this book. We call that a blurb. And what we have here at the end of Ecclesiastes is something like that. He's, he's giving us words that, <coughs> that commend why we should listen and pay attention to what the preacher has to say. He says, besides being wise... The preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. That's what Solomon did. That's what the preacher did. He collected many sayings. And when we look at Proverbs, another book that we look at that that, uh, is predominantly written by Solomon, even even within Proverbs itself, it tells us some of them have other authors, like the Proverbs of Lemuel, that, that uh, Proverbs 31, that famous proverb about the, the virtuous woman, it tells us that those were one of the ones written by Lemuel. So Solomon, um, in his wisdom, and, and, and as he collected the Proverbs, does what, the, what this blurb is telling us that the preacher did. He collected and arranged and studied many proverbs with great care. And the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. These are words of truth. These are being commended as Scripture. We look at this and we know these are words of truth. We can trust them. We can hang our hat on them. It is true. It is God's very word. The next line, he tells us, the words of the wise are like goads. Like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. There's two images that he gives us here. One of goads and one of nails firmly fixed. What's a goad? We don't use that term very often, but basically it was just an ancient cattle prod. Uh, You you have the stick and with with a pointy end, and in order to get the the livestock, in order to get it to follow whichever way you wanted it to go, you would use that goad, and the pain would cause it to go in the direction you wanted it to turn. And the, the writer here is telling us the words of the wise are like these goads. They push us along. When we look at the world like Solomon or like the preacher was saying it is, when we look at the world under the sun and it looks like everything is vanity, it looks like does it really matter what we do, these words of the wise are like goads to us. And they say, don't give up. Keep going. Get up. And, and they tell us, fear God. We're going to get down below and keep his commandments. It's worth it. Don't give up, but fear God and keep his commandments. The other image besides the goad is that of a nail firmly fixed. So we get the idea, it's something that's pushing us along, it's moving us into obedience, and at the same time, it's something that's stable. It's a nail that's firmly fixed. Maybe you've built something before and driven a nail in there and it's just 
in there. It won't come out. Maybe you want it to come out. And you still can't get it to come out. It's firmly fixed. These collected sayings, this wisdom, this words of the wise, they're like that. They're, they're stable. They're truth. They're unchanging. And then he tells us the words of the wise or these collected sayings are given by one shepherd. Let's think about that for a minute. Like I, like I said, we may have, look at Proverbs, it tells us we have more than one author. Proverbs tells us, you have some Proverbs that were written by Solomon, some that were written by um, Lemuel, and there may be others that are named by the Proverbs themselves. These are part of the collected sayings, the words of the wise. And yet, the text here is telling us they're given by one shepherd. How are we to make sense of that? How are we to make sense of that? Here's how I think we make sense of that. The words one shepherd, are, are, they only appear two other times in the Old Testament. They're both in Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, they're both in uh, Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, you have the, the, the condemnation of the shepherds of Israel. They, have, they should have been feeding God's people, but instead they're feeding themselves. And, and so God is, is condemning the shepherds of Israel. I believe that was the kings of Israel that were not living up to their father David, to the... the the promise that we see David giving about how he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. And so, because they're not living up to that, God tells Ezekiel, I will come and I will be their shepherd. And he speaks of a day whenever one day they, the, the, the house of David would be ruled by one shepherd. When we see the words one shepherd in the Old Testament and every other place, which is only two, it's talking about the future Messiah that was to come. I think whenever we see they're given by one shepherd, we're to see that this is God himself. And then on the basis of, cha of John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus points back to that image in Ezekiel and he says, I am that one. And I think when we read Ecclesiastes here and it says it's given by one shepherd, it may have multiple different authors, but it's God's word. We don't need a red letter Bible to say which ones were Jesus' words. When we look at Peter and some of his writings, he tells us, I can't remember if it's first or second Peter, but he says that holy men of old were carried along as they wrote concerning what the Spirit of Christ was indicating was going to happen. The Spirit of Christ was the Spirit that inspired the Scriptures. When we hold up our Bibles, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, 
Psalms, from Genesis to Revelation, that's when we have Jesus' words to us. It's all from Jesus. Even before he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, it's all from Jesus. And they're trustworthy and they're true. And stable, unchanging. It's given by one shepherd. Verse um, 13. The end of the matter has been heard. He comes to the end here of Ecclesiastes. Maybe you're glad. (laughs) Especially after last week. The end of the matter has been heard. He says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It's all summed up in that. It's all summed up. The book is summed up in that. And he says the whole duty of mankind is summed up in fear God and keep his commands. Does that sound familiar? Everything is all summed up in fear God and keep his commandments. Jesus said everything was summed up in something. Whenever he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Remember whenever the Pharisees were trying to trip him up and what did he say? Love God. And the second one is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we could say, what, is Jesus and Ecclesiastes, are they contradicting each other? No. They're unified. What does it mean to fear God? It doesn't mean that we are afraid of him, that we cower and and run away from him, but to fear God is to love him, to worship him, to stand in awe of what he has done for us. They're not in contradiction to one another. They're unified. And to keep his commandments. How else can we know how to love our neighbor than to keep his commandments? We, we often think about love in squishy 20th, 21st century terms. We think, well, to be loving means just to let people do their own thing and be non-judgmental. But to be loving means to keep Jesus' commandments, to keep God's commandments. Think about half of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. It's related to our neighbors, to, to love our neighbor. We, we respect other people's property. Or thou shalt not murder. And Jesus said, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Another way of loving our neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. All, all about Loving our neighbor. What the preacher here says, it all sums up in fear God and keep his commandments is basically the same as what Jesus says. Love God and love your neighbor. We often don't like to talk about fear these days. We think fear is something negative. 
I can't remember the text, but I was I was listening to an audio, just this uh, a lecture on the way here. And he was talking about this very concept of the fear of the Lord and how we often misunderstand it. And he quoted a text in, uh, um, I think it was Deuteronomy or maybe Exodus, where he was, where God was telling the people, "Don't be afraid." That and and the, and the implication, the reason why they were not to be afraid was so that the fear of God may be be upon you. Um. If you have a text like that where it says, don't be afraid that the fear of God may be upon you, then there must be two different kinds of fear. Otherwise, it's contradicting itself. Yeah, it can't be the same kind of fear. There is a right fear and a wrong fear of God. And this lecture I listened to, and I think it's absolutely right, was saying the fear of God that is wrong is the fear that drives us away from him. We're afraid of his judgment. We're afraid of what he might do to us. And so we run away from him and we continue in our rebellion and we continue in our hatred of him because we're afraid of him. But the right and holy fear of God is a fear that draws us to him. It's a fear that brings us into relationship with him. And it's a fear that I think is only explainable in the gospel of grace. How can we have a fear of God that draws us to him other than we know that while God is just and he will judge every sin, he has made a way where we can find relief. He has made a remedy for our sin. Because of our sin, we all deserve death and hell. Because of our sin, we deserve every bit of the wrath of God. But he has made a safe place for us if we flee to Jesus. He has come in God in the flesh. He lived a sinless life died in our place, rose again, and is now seated by, at the Father's hand as our intercessor. He is both our judge and our lawyer, our advocate. We can, because if we believe in him, if we trust in him, the fear of God doesn't cause us to run away. The fear of God draws us to him and causes us to love him all the more. Look at the magnificence of the cross, what he did for us in sending his own son, in taking those nails in his hands, in absorbing the wrath of God that we deserved. And the fear should make us tremble and love him at the same time. That's the fear of God. Verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. God knows everything that we've ever thought, everything that we've ever did, every secret thing, that we think nobody knows about but us. 
And he will bring every one of those things into judgment. So we have a choice. Will we have the kind of fear that causes us to run away from him? Or will we have that kind of fear that causes us to drive into him, to love him all the more, to trust in him, knowing that he is our safe place? Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Do you fear him? Do you fear him in a sense that makes you run from him? Or do you fear him in a sense that draws you to him, makes you worship and adore him? Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.